Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. I would say, right, like it's always important for the person with ADHD to be making an effort. It can be challenging to do that. And so it's important to think about what do I need in order to fully participate in this to the best of my ability, knowing my partner's abilities might be stronger and they might be more proficient in certain areas. What do I have to add? How can I stay involved with that? What does my partner need? In terms of my involvement, it certainly doesn't feel good for one person to Um, be the manager of everything and the other person just get to go along for the ride. That is Dr. Michelle Frank. And this week, as we return for our 23rd season, we kick off a series on ADHD and family relationships with an exploration of that first relationship, our partners, spouses, or significant others. How do you create balance in the relationship and leave room for ADHD? That's up next on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright and that's Nikki Kinzer. Hello everyone. Welcome. It's season 23. Very exciting. We're back from our little July break. Do you remember how to do this? No, because we both forgot to record (laughs) on the very first show back that we just recorded. We forgot to record, but we caught it before we actually did the show. So kudos to us. (laughs) Dodged a bullet right there. That was scary, but it's okay. We've got lots of great things that we're going to be talking about. And uh, today, in particular, our dear friend, Dr. Michelle Frank, is back to join us. And we're going to talk to her in just a bit. But first, head over to Take Control ADHD to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list. We'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if the show has ever touched you, if your life has been made better, in some small way as a result of this show. Break out in song. We invite you. To, okay. I might. I might. Hey, I'm watching Schmigadoon <laughs> right now and I want to okay. sing. 
everything. Go, go pee. And I want you to know about Patreon. What? So uh, anyhow, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. That is our community of fantastic supporters for a few bucks a month. You get access to all kinds of fun stuff. You get early access to the show every week. You get to watch the live streams uh, as we record these things, which is always nonsense. Uh, and you uh, are, are going to get access to the new Patreon-only podcast from Pete. Pete, Pete is apparently going to do a Pete podcast. Pete is doing a it's podcast. very exciting. Yeah. And it's not all exciting. about Pete, but it could be some things about Pete. It's yeah, no, it's it's mostly going to be things Pete needs needs to know. Pete <laughs> That's needs right. to you learn lessons. The, lessons you that have Pete to needs. tell the title because yeah, it's everything that Pete needs to know. So it's it's a lot of Pete. <laughs> there will be something about it. it's a lot. It, it might be a lot of Pete, but it's also a lot of you. So uh, for your gracious support, dear listeners, uh, this is this is a show for and dedicated to our members and and uh, things that we need to learn together. And so I'm I'm very Me excited too. to get started on that. We just uh, we we've set this goal. And we're trying to hit this goal, and that will be a goal that allows us to uh, afford that's to right. do it. Honestly, that's what—that's why we we ask for this, so we can continue growing what we do here. And we deeply appreciate uh, how you give so generously back to the show. So visit Patreon.com/slash/TheADHDPodcast to join today. That's right. Dr. Michelle Frank is a clinical psychologist specializing in providing diagnostic and treatment services to individuals with ADHD. She is back with us today to talk about relationships and ADHD, specifically through the lens of the Gottman Method. And Nikki and I talked to her. We actually talked to her a month ago, and we're now giving it to you now. We're really excited about it because she was so gracious to, to record when her schedule allowed, and that happened to be some weeks back. But we're excited to bring it to you right now. But this is also a kickoff of our series. For the next, gosh, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, I think at least six weeks, we are doing shows all around the ADHD family. So whether you have ADHD and your uh, kids don't, or kids have ADHD and you don't, or the whole family has ADHD, Whatever it is, we're going to be talking about uh, some different things. So it starts off with Dr. Michelle Frank with talking about couples therapy. And uh, we're going to talk about family tips, things that uh, are actually tips from our listeners. You guys uh, brought in some great ideas and brought to us some great ideas and suggestions. We're going to talk to an ADHD mom. We're going to do an interview with her. We have a couple other interviews um, on mindfulness and teenage uh, teenage. Teenagers, impact parents are going to be coming back. So we uh, are going to have another conversation. I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. Can't think of a better way to kick off than this conversation with our friend, Dr. Michelle. Dr. Michelle Frank is back with us after oh so long. You know, the last time she was here, uh, we were, I think we were in the height of the pandemic being uh everything being reopened, but only a little bit. And then everything was about to be closed again. And I think the three of us were all very depressed. <laughs> the last time we talked, uh, Michelle, it's so great to have you back with us. Michelle is a clinical psychologist specializing in providing diagnostic and treatment services to individuals with ADHD. And she's also a, a very handy expert in our address book on relationships. We're going to talk all about ADHD and relationships through the lens of the Gottman method. So glad to have you 
you here, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. We're we're all feeling better. We're all yeah. feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you are the very first show of our families with ADHD series, and uh, we are very excited to have you here. And I wanted to start with your interview because, you know, families are created by relationships, by parents. <laughs> and, We'd like to know uh, how that works. Yeah. So Let's please. start at the very yeah. beginning. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I am excited to have you here because, um, you know, all different kinds of families, uh, listen to our show and it's important that we understand that, that if you are, if you have a partner, if you're in a couple relationship, cause I know that the Gottman method is not for individuals. I want to be clear about that. It's for couples. Um, but what a great place to start. And, um, so Pete and I's connection with the Gottman method is way back when in the early, what Pete, two thousands. Surely. Like it <laughs> like, was, yeah, I think it was yeah, late, 2000. Late 99, early 2000. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, had a group that were of young couples married, either married or going to be married. And we went through this book and, um, I still remember things from it because when I was reviewing my notes uh, for today, I was like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that all very sound advice because guess what? Pete and I are both married to the same person. Still. Yeah. yeah still. To the same person. Yeah. So <laughs> something's working. <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this is? What is the Got Gottman method? So the Gottman method is a form of couples therapy that is based in the research of John and Julie Gottman, as well as several others, uh, folks like Bob Levinson, for instance. John Gottman started researching couples, what makes them work and what doesn't, back in early to mid-70s. So we're going on a, over 40 years of research on what makes couples successful. You know, at first they started looking at why do couples divorce? And from there they moved on to, okay, so, so why are the successful couples doing so well? What sets them apart? What are they doing differently? And then when John linked up with Julie Gottman, his now wife, she was a, she's an expert therapist, also a very analytical mind, a really wise, brilliant woman who uh, specialized in a lot of trauma therapy, had a lot of good therapeutic training. And she came on board and said, you know, we can, we can use this. We can, we can create therapeutic tools. And so together they did that, started the Gottman Institute, and they started researching, you know, their theories. If we do an intervention in this way, does it help, you know, couples get to where they're going? Uh, so they use the predictors of divorce and separation, relationship demise, to help couples course correct and find what works. How is this different from other approaches that you might find in couples counseling? Well, I mean, a big difference is the wealth of empirical validation behind it. Mm. It's also incredibly integrated, um, meaning there are elements of, you know, attachment theory, cognitive behavioral therapy. There's uh, skill building, um, you know, conflict resolution. There, if there's, there's a lot of moving pieces, but it's also incredibly well integrated so that it's very, very practical. A lot of 
both couples and individuals come to me, especially with ADHD, right? And they've been in Mm -hmm. therapy before and they're like, I have all the awareness, but now what? Like, Mm -hmm. now what? Now where do I go? And the Gottmans have some really helpful uh, protocols and exercises to help people build the skills um, when they're building upon the awareness that they've gained. I, we, we, you know, as I said, we went through it a long time ago. This was actually before uh, I had gotten my ADHD diagnosis. And so it was, it was, you know, pre-awakening, yeah. I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really what I'm, what I'm into today, right? Is how, uh, how does the method, you know, the Gottman approach interact with folks with ADHD, they're mixed ADHD couples like mine or two ADHD uh, individuals in a relationship together. How do you approach it through this lens? So I think it's important to keep in mind, right, that couples therapy is not a treatment for ADHD. That's individual work. Mm -hmm. What couples therapy does is it looks at the impact of ADHD on the relationship. It looks at both persons' experience of ADHD within the relationship. So ADHD is a, it's a player at the table, right? It's it's in the room, but ADHD isn't the isn't the, the the only problem, right? And the couple is the client. A lot of times, the person with ADHD ends up being the identified client. And it's really easy on both sides of the equation to blame ADHD when usually there's a lot of other things going on as well. There's a lot of meaning we make. Um, a lot of emotional overwhelm, a lot of shame spells, like all these other things are happening sort of as part and parcel of the ADHD, but also separate from it. And we can create these relational cycles and these negative patterns of interacting that over time compound and really erode the underlying friendship, closeness, and connection we have. So it's similar to how you know, Sari and I talk a lot about this about ADHD, but it's it's about a lot more, right? Like there is a, a deep well. Um to, to dive there. So mm-hmm. Gottman therapy, like most couples therapy, you know, unless some people do very specific ADHD, cognitive behavioral oriented couples work, but for the most part in the, the couples therapy world, you'd be really hard pressed to find people who specialize like the, the average person is going to have a hard time finding a couples provider who also happens to specialize in ADHD. Um, right. It, the important piece of it is uh, going in and saying, we really want to talk about the, the impact of living with ADHD and how that informs, um, derails uh, our connection, how, how it informs or derails our communication and how we can be a team about that. A lot of couples end up being very you against me instead of us against the problem. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking, right? Is because, you know, we may not think of uh, sort of the the Gottman approach to, you know, couples therapy as ADHD therapy. But when ADHD is at the core of the relationship issues, the communication issues, like it's there's it's you're lighting a fire uh, in the relationship. And it's all because of just sort of the way your brain's working. And your dynamics around that and what it triggers for you and your enduring vulnerabilities that... Well, and your awareness of it, like me, right? Like I, that's why we ended up going into couples therapies because I didn't know I had ADHD. It's interesting what you said, Michelle, about individual therapy 
I want you to expand that a little bit more because you were saying if you are looking, and I think you said maybe to manage or or help you with your ADHD, that would be individual. The couples therapy is the impact that ADHD has on the relationship. I think that a lot of people that I work with, I think they go to couples therapy thinking it's going to be a way to manage ADHD. Right. And then things get really sidetracked, right? Because then we're couples therapy is is dyadic. It's about two people, not just one person and their chronic condition. Similar to if that person had MS or an anxiety disorder, right? Like there are other things that need to happen in conjunction. So uh, what a, a proper evaluation, perhaps medication, coaching, individual therapy, support groups, education, all of these things, right? When we're talking about successfully manage ADHD, we all know it's not a one-shot solution. It's really... It's it's really a lot, right? There are a lot of moving pieces that change over time. Right. So couple therapy is one tool in that toolbox. But what we're looking at is how do I experience ADHD? How does my partner experience ADHD? Mm -hmm. And how do we do that together? Mm -hmm. Where are we not doing that well? Because ultimately the problem solving, the strategizing pieces, like having a, a, a weekly family meeting to go over the the schedule and the finance, that's five percent of the solution, of the problem and the solution, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, you, you don't need to be in couples therapy to, to, to necessarily come to that conclusion, mm-hmm. but what's getting in the way of us getting there, of having that conversation in the first place, following through on that, how do we Not feel when, we don't follow when you're right. in it? Exactly. Yeah. How do we do that effectively? How do we like work through everything that comes with it? Okay, so I did some digging and I went into his website and looked at his blog and all of these different things. And oh my gosh, it's a wealth of information. Uh, One of the things that he talks about, and you even have this on your um, page on your website too, that explains how to get a hold of you. It's the sound relationship house theory. So this is to help us understand how the good relationships are working right? Is that correct? Or how, how would you, what is this? How do you explain it? Sound relationship house is really the, the crux of the entire Gottman paradigm. It's a metaphor we use when we're looking at relationships to say, what's working, what are the strengths and challenges, uh, and, and where and how do we intervene? And so we think of relationship like a house and the two load-bearing walls are trust and commitment, right? The first floor is friendship and uh, feeling respected by your partner, the presence of fondness and admiration. We move up to the second floor. We have some really important relational qualities like turning towards one another for connection instead of away accepting bids for connections, of tuning them out, and also our mindset. What sort of perspective do we have about our partner? You know, do we give them the benefit of the doubt or do we replay everything you know, that's ever gone wrong and really build that negative, what we call negative sentiment override? The next floor up is conflict management. How do we talk about our feelings? How do we regulate our feelings both together and separately? So you can see where ADHD is just playing all 
in here, right? I was, I was just going to say about those the first two, even like mm-hmm. as soon as you you talk about like the my sort of ADHD bent on perseveration, right. like I can hyper focus on all the little things if I don't let my if I don't like really concentrate on breaking those patterns. Right. It's so easy to get into those loops where and and then we have conflict. Yes, and I I can't even help it. Yes, and and vice versa, right? Like oh they yeah. God, the house is a mess and now I have to take care of it. And so they always do that. So you're just spinning the the negativity yeah. wheel and then the friendship really rode. And then right. the top floors are how we create meaning together, shared values, but also it's like the balance of we and me, right? Like you don't always have to have the exact same life dreams and goals, but how do you make room for that together in your lives? So some people come in and they just need a total demo right now, right? It's just mm-hmm. <laughs> tear it down yeah. and build it back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially if trust and commitment aren't there. Right? Oh, then like if one person there, right? was not yeah. loyal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, then other people, for instance, like they just they haven't ever really had a chance or you know, the time or opportunity to really identify what the the shared we in it all is. And then other times it's things like, you know, the, the, there's a big fire on the conflict management floor. And so now the, you know, there's flood damage down in the friendship, right? Because mm-hmm. it also, it impacts each other. And so when we're starting therapy using the Gottman method, we assess like, where's a relationship, you know, on based on these different characteristics of what we know is essential to making a committed relationship work over time. And where can we you, you know, just similar to ADHD coaching, where can we use the strengths to uh, mm-hmm. support the challenges and where do we need to intervene? And, and frankly, where don't we? Um, and so the relationship house is used really throughout couples therapy to as sort of a, a landmark to always go back to and say, where are we at with this? And to use as a metaphor for trying to explain what we're talking about. If you are going into couples therapy and we're looking at this house and there's some some of these things we're doing pretty good like trust and commitment. I'm in it and you can trust me. But but what you're saying is some of some of these things could need help. So when you're going into couples therapy, you're figuring out or trying to figure out where you want to build and and make that stronger. Yeah. Okay. So like turns a turn towards instead of away, Mm -hmm. I can see like you get into a fight, people shut down. So that's turning away. So then that might Mm -hmm. be something that you would talk about in therapy of, of, Mm -hmm. am I getting that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are also smaller, smaller ways of turning away. You know, when a couple is in conflict, successful couples in conflict have a ratio of five to one positive to negative interactions. Uh, when they're doing well, it's 20 to one. So it's, what are we putting in the positivity bank? And turning towards can be really simple. It can be, you know, oh, honey, come look at this stupid commercial. This guy's ridiculous. Or, you know, oh, look, the it looks like it's going to rain. Those things seem pretty innocuous, but they're actually some form of a bid for connection, right? Share this tiny bit of my day with me. Uh, laugh with me, um, you know, see me, hear me, um, be close to me. And over time, 
um, we can, like those things are easy to attend to in the beginning, right? But like over time, we can start to let them go. Um, but certainly that is another place perhaps where ADHD comes in, where in perhaps an inattentive trait or something like that, or perhaps erosion of, you know, an underlying feeling of, of uh, connection with your partner over time can lead you to start shutting down some of those bids. And so the gums have a saying, small things often. It's not always like these the, the big, huge moments. It's also what makes up our daily lives together and, and how do we choose each other in that. This erosion concept really strikes a chord with me because that leads to something in the, it, uh, you know, that a, a feeling I think that's really important. And Nikki had pointed out a blog post called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can really relate to that criticism, contempt pair, right? you know, like when you talk about like when a relationship is struggling and you go down to the five to one um, versus 20 to one positive to negative experiences, you, you kind of get the sense of like when I am feeling uh, compromised in some way in the relationship, it's so easy to turn that outward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, are the four behaviors that were found to be most predictive of relationship demise over time. Um, successful couples, you know, they might creep in here and there, but for the most part, they use other ways of communicating and connecting. In ADHD, I see a lot of cycles of criticism and defensiveness, uh, counterattack, you know, blaming one another, leading into contempt, leading to defensiveness, leading to shutdown. So oftentimes we're working on having the conversations we want to have and, and doing those interactions differently, but it can be hard too when we're emotionally flooded, which is also something mm-hmm. that easily happens with ADHD. So to give you an example of like what those four things mean, imagine, you know, you're going about your day, la-di-da, and your partner says, hey, got a Home Depot return. Can you take care of that sitting? You said, sure. You know, I wanted to go pick up something anyways. And you go, go to Home Depot, you pick up your thing on the way home, you realize, shit, shoot, <laughs> I, I forgot I forgot the return, okay? So how do you and your partner deal with this? On, on the surface, it's a very pretty simple, small ADHD sort of moment, right? Forgot the return. This happens a lot, okay? But a criti- critical response or criticism would be you returning your partner saying, gosh, you always forget. You always forget everything. I feel like you just don't care. Con- so it's it's attacking the character. It's a lot of you always, you never. Whereas contempt has mm-hmm. a mean streak to it. Often there's a sneer and it's a sense of looking down on some someone. So contempt would be, yeah, of course you did. You always do. I'm married to a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. So there we go, oh, yeah. really contemptuous. Um you know, mean joke. We hear that all the time in right. people in ADHD right. relationships right. because, yeah, totally. Right, that dynamic comes up, but it's yeah. not a healthy way to say it, right? No. And then in turn, you get some defensiveness. So mm-hmm. um, that can be counterattack. Well, you didn't, you said you would leave it on the on the table and you didn't, you know, you're not perfect mm-hmm. either. And then there's like a, a victimhood thing, right? So, uh, you know, I can never do anything right by you. Nothing I do is ever mm-hmm. good enough. 
And now we've mm-hmm. got now we've got a nice little cycle going. You can see where then now we're just gonna you know one up that with more criticism, more defensiveness. Someone's gonna shut down. So now we get the emotional flooding come in, and we can really, like I said, start a fire on the conflict management floor if we're not if we're not careful. Luckily, there are things we can do to shift away from those patterns very effectively. It takes practice, but it's very, very doable over time. And a lot of my work with couples with ADHD is helping them express their feelings, their needs around these moments in ways that are more productive. Can you give us an example of what that yeah. what that might look like? Yeah. So with criticism, the antidote to criticism is a softened startup. So that looks like saying, I feel X about Y, I need Z. So how I feel let down that you forgot to make the return. You know, just last night we were talking about how crazy busy things have been for me lately and how I can't handle one more thing. And so when you came home and said you forgot, I just felt crushed and like it's all on me. And I really could use some reassurance that you have a plan and a time of taking care of that. The antidote to contempt is both using stuff and startup when you're actually communicating, but it also involves some background work that that takes some time, which is working on that negative sentiment override, building up um, a list of things you appreciate about your partner, giving them the benefit of the doubt, not dwelling on the constant negative appraisals of your partner. Right when we're flooded, that's easy to do, but it's it's just not helpful. So taking some time and doing some self-soothing, and then reminding your yourself of the good qualities of your your partner. So thinking to yourself, you know, that annoyed me, and you know, we had a great morning. They didn't do this on purpose. Given the the benefit of the doubt, like you know, it, it, these these moments are hard, and this is a perpetual problem we're working on. But I'm sure there's a solution. I just want to reflect a little bit because that, to me, it's just a reminder that that is as much in an effort to stave off future conflict as it is for me to put the brakes on my own emotional on-ramp. 100%. Right? 100%. Yes. Because if, I'm, if I get good at saying, you know, X, Y, and Z, I love the way you put that. I, I feel like this. I, I here's and here's what I need ultimately. Um, then I'm. It is a. It's almost a a practice of slowing down. Absolutely. Uh, a, a, right. Absolutely. And now yeah. we're and yeah. now we're now we're in it together, right? We volley that yeah. back and forth. So the defensiveness, right? Instead of get like you can notice, you can even say to your partner, "All right, I'm I'm starting to take this personally. I'm feeling a little defensive." Yeah. You know, I I feel really badly that I forgot this because that's something we've been working on. You know, I've been working yeah. on and it's hard for me to hear that I let you down. Um, mm-hmm. and what I need is, you know, for, for you in this moment to give me the benefit of the doubt and know that I have a reminder set and I'm going to take care of it tomorrow. Um, I don't have the energy tonight. And so I, I could, you know, also use, you know, a little break tonight and I'm going to do it tomorrow on the way to work. You know, so again, you're going back in that softened startup, but you're taking a little bit of responsibility too. Right. Right. You're owning something. You, and again, like you, you don't have to own it all. You don't have to be completely on the same page for it to be workable. Validating, reflecting your partner's point of view, 
slowing down and using the soft and startup, none of that is saying, you know what? I completely agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's simply saying, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Given what you're saying, given your perspective, I see how you got there. I didn't return the the item. You know, I didn't follow through on what I said. And here we are. Can you can you reflect a little bit on the other side of that though? Because you just you just hit me, which is um, you know, you're you're taking a little bit of the responsibility, right? You're sharing the responsibility, you're owning what's yours. And yet, uh, what I find and what I feel like I hear is when you're living with ADHD and something happens that you a ball drops for a reason that you attribute to your ADHD, it is very easy and very quick to say, it's all my fault and I'm a terrible person. And I, my, my experience is that's also diminishes the relationship and your ability to move through conflict. 100%, right? Because then you shut down or yeah. you flood. Sometimes then the partner will feel, okay, great. So now we're in your shame spiral. And so we're, again, not dealing with the problem and I don't feel heard. But yeah. what needs to happen in those moments is a break. That's another huge piece of this, especially with the ADHD propensity to emotionally flood. Mm-hmm. Right. And a break is longer than tw- 20 minutes, no longer than 24 hours. It's truly separating yourself and not not sitting in the other room and fighting with your partner in your head, but mm-hmm. taking a walk, reading a magazine, doing a deep breathing. And but an important part of taking a break is saying, I'll be back. So that your partner knows we we are going to get there right now. I'm feeling shame spiral coming on, I'm starting to feel defensive and I can't hear you the way I want to hear you. Mm -hmm. And I can express myself the way I want to express myself. And so I need to take a break so that my, my frontal lobe can come back online and then we can have the conversation we really want to have. I I don't want to make this about me. Exactly. And we're at a risk of doing that. Give me a time out. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to do some self-soothing here. Going back to one partner has ADHD and the other partner doesn't. And the 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 partner that that has it doesn't feel like the other one really gets it or really does feel like they're blaming them, you know, mm-hmm. like oh, here you it's that contempt, right? They go straight to contempt. So I, I when I'm hearing you talk about that story and different options of how to kind of deal with that. One scenario that kind of comes into my mind that feels like it would work is here you've got somebody that doesn't have ADHD and you explain it to them, like what might have happened or why this could have happened. Um, So you're having an understanding of how the ADHD worked in that situation, having some kind of acceptance that that's what it was. And then moving on to, you know, I I, I appreciate, you know, thank you for, for listening. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I've got my reminder. It just feels like there's, I I feel like, is there some kind of acceptance around the ADHD that needs to happen from both partners? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And that's hard. That doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. When it comes to understanding ADHD, you know, I see a lot of people, um, give books or articles or, you know, uh, there's a charismatic social media figure. They send the TikTok here, like 
the, the subjective person can tell you because I don't know that I, I can find the words or we get caught in our dynamic and I don't feel understood. Um, and, and some people do learn best that way through reading, for instance, or their coping mechanism involves heavy research. But for a lot of couples, it goes a lot farther if you both sit down and have a conversation using sentences that start with, help me understand. Mm. Help me understand what happens for you in these moments. And I'm going to put aside my judgment. I'm going to take notes, right? That can be helpful. Then if you have an impulsive thought, you can jot it down. You can write down their keywords so you don't forget or interrupt each other. You reflect back what they're saying. And then they do the same for you. And that's how we ultimately work on understanding. There's, Gottman uses the research of Anatole Rapoport, who is an international conflict resolution researcher. Uh, and they thought, hey, we'll take this. This applies to marriage, right? <laughs> like so, <laughs> so they did. And what they found is that any attempt at active problem solving was totally ineffective and inefficient unless you first had understanding. So the goal in these conversations is always to be able to understand and repeat back your partner's perspective right? In a way that is satisfying to them. Like, yes, you got it. That's how I feel. You hear me, you understand you hear me. me. And the other partner to do that back before mm-hmm. you move into problem solving. And oftentimes, especially with ADHD, it's like, well, I'm going to use my reminder. You know, I can't remember things. That isn't necessarily enough to get to the heart of understanding each other's lived experiences in that moment and how it how it comes up. Because you also don't know what enduring vulnerabilities are coming forward in that moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it comes down to things like, I feel like you don't have my back. Mm-hmm. I feel alone. I feel like I'm a caretaker, just like when I was 13 and my sibling was terminally ill or what, you know, I mean, it can get really heavy in ways that we don't always see coming. We can't take understanding too lightly. And it isn't just mm-hmm. cognitive. It has to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I think back to, you know, how many times you have the conversation. Um, I, I couldn't pick up that thing from Home Depot. I have ADHD. You know, I can't do those things, right? Or blaming the ADHD or, you know, on the, the other side of it, you have ADHD. You can't do those things. Either way, you're not talking about sort of the the real issue. You're talking about kind of a symptom. Right, because, and notice, both the two, two horsemen of the apocalypse came up there. Yeah. I can't, mm-hmm. I have ADHD, defensiveness. Yep. You know, you always say that. You mm-hmm. can't get anything right, criticism right? Yeah. So we're not actually in the zone of truly being able to relate to each other on this. It's it's interesting to me, uh, the connection between understanding before you're trying to manage the conflict. It, that really connects because it, it, it does, it does make you think, okay, take a step back and really feel what the other person is, is feeling or hearing what they're feeling. That's really interesting. I also remember before I got married, somebody told me, and I don't remember, but it really goes into what he's teaching. They said, uh, you can tell how, or how successful a couple is going to be on the way they fight. Yeah. 
And I have got to admit that that's pretty true because when you look at like share fondness and admiration, Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you have like been in like a situation where you're at a dinner or you're at a party and Mm -hmm. this couple, you're talking to some couples and they're just like so rude about each other. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, and it's so uncomfortable it's because so they're awkward. either it's so yeah. awkward because they're either going to get in a fight or they're in a fight, but they're like mean to each other in front of people. So then I always think of like, what are they like at home? You know, <laughs> but my my um, my question here, contempt to me is really mean. Yeah. And I I uh, I remember telling my daughter when she started like being interested in boys and, you know these relationship hurdles. I told her, he said, you know, my, or your dad and I, I have never called him a name and he has never called me a name. Now we have fought and we've argued, but we've never like, you know, you Mm so-and-so. But if you're getting that from somebody, how do, how, how do you resolve that? Is it possible to save your marriage? So, yeah, it's like when you're at the party with you and your partner and all four horsemen yeah. have all come uh, with you, come. right? Yeah. They're and all, all like, six yeah. of you when, are there. When do you walk away or is it, I don't well, know. that's a good time to get therapy. Um, yeah, right? It's <laughs> a good time. You're probably, it probably could have happened sooner. Sure. Uh, couples, you know, usually start therapy six, seven years too late. Mm-hmm. And I would add, it's not just how couples fight. That's an excellent point. It, it's how they repair. Because there are mm-hmm. different types mm-hmm. of couples that do conflict in different ways. Some are more conflict avoidance. Some are more conflict pursuance. Um, you know, but it's 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 not just like how you fight, but it's how you repair too. Yeah. You know, and do you accept your partner's attempts at repair, or do you shut oh, them down? Good that's, point. that's a big right. thing, right? Like, so the you know, I'm really sorry. I want to do this differently. I want to work on this, and then you're met with, yeah, right you know, yeah, that's, sure. that hurts. Um, as opposed to, I want to get there. I'm just, I'm still feeling all the feelings and I need some time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there's different ways to communicate it again with contempt, attempt really, it, and it is the biggest predictor of divorce because it really erodes everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes time and it's about rebuilding a sense of fondness for your partner. It's about communicating with respect and intention. Um, and it's, it's so it involves a lot of emotional regulation pieces. It involves uh, having not saying the first thing that, that comes to mind, but trying to slow down and communicate in this new way. And then mm-hmm. really trying to rebuild the positive moments of connection, right? Building up that piggy bank in your emotional deposits is really truly essential. Because once the mm-hmm. friendship is gone, right, it's it, you can There's do not, it, but it's just a lot of work. Yeah, you gotta like you to can hang out with the person. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you That's like so your partner? Do you mm-hmm. like that? That matters. Yeah. I I know I you know I've I've had too many conversations with people who don't reflect on the fact that their partner she's they're also a friend. Right. Right? Like they've they've moved into this romantic relationship and they still spend more time cultivating their best friendships with people outside their relationship than actually looking at the person they've they've you know married. Right. Right. And uh 
that's a good reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you married them for a reason. And that yeah. reason was not because they are exactly the same as you. Right. right. And so when you have these moments of inevitable difference, it can be helpful to remember you married them because you embrace the ways you're different. Sometimes mm-hmm. that is hard. Mm-hmm. And also because they're much cooler than me and I tricked them. There, there so you go. There you go. It's just bamboozled them the go. whole time. <laughs> Yeah. So I have a question, Michelle. This this actually got brought up in our Discord, and a couple of different um, listeners were feeling it. So I'm just curious what what your thoughts are um, around like planning vacations and planning dates. And um, so you know, one person how how do you balance that? I guess is probably the best way to say it because somebody with ADHD they're saying it's it's hard. It's hard to to plan ahead. It's hard to do all of the details, but the person that doesn't have ADHD may feel like it's always being brought on them and they always have to come up with the ideas. How do you, how do you figure that out? So there's either a compromise or something that works for both, both people. And the answer is probably going to be different for every couple and every family. I think you, you have to identify, you know, what, what is negotiable and what isn't, where are my boundaries Mm -hmm. around this? ultimately like are me and the kids going on this cruise no matter what or like you know um you know what does that look like but i would say right like it's always important for the person with adhd to be making making an effort it's it's it can be challenging to do that and so it's important to think about what do i need in order to fully participate in this to the best of my ability knowing my partner's abilities might be stronger and they might be more proficient in certain areas. What do I have to add? How can I stay involved with that? What does my partner need in terms of my involvement? Uh, and so again, we're having a conversation about you know, our needs and what we can contribute. But it, it certainly doesn't feel good for one person, unless it's already negotiated to, to be the role, it certainly doesn't feel good for one person to... Um, be the manager of everything and the other person just get to go along for the ride right? right that's a recipe for resentment so it might be well I know I'm you know honey I'm not that good at this but I want it let's sit down I want to be there when we book the tickets so I want some input let's talk about it um, mm-hmm. here's what it would look like to have a really good time you know what are both of our dreams and expectations around this trip mm-hmm. or around mm-hmm. how we manage the kids summer schedule in our, for both of us, what does it look like to do that really well? Are we even on the same page about what a, a fun vacation looks like or managing the kids' summer looks like? So there's a lot at play there. You know, what, I, what I'm hearing you say, which I think is really interesting, is um, th- I think there are a lot of uh, areas where, you know, I might say, you know what, I just I hate grocery shopping. I hate it so much. And there's a lot I'm willing to give up in terms of choice so that you'll just take care of it for me and not like, just tell me, tell me what you need from me. You want me to pick a meal for the week? I'll do it. Then you go do the grocery shopping. And in exchange for that, there's this thing that you hate doing, which is the laundry. And I, so there's balance, There you go. but this one, like vacation planning seems different to me. And I really like the way you put it because even if I hate vacation planning, generally giving up, the choice 
on the conversation might be more damaging to my relationship with my friend, you know, and my partner than stepping in and trying at least to exercise that creativity muscle to think about the things that I do care about within the vacation. I might not care about times, travels, trips, booking, you know, cruise versus train. I don't care about any of that. But what you just said were some things that, frankly, I do care about. I didn't even know I cared about them, but they might actually, you know, build a nice, solid foundation for a great trip. And I still don't have to do the parts that I hate right. that she might love. Right. Right. And can I sit with the discomfort of the things that are hard for me, knowing yeah. that I'm doing it because it matters to my partner. It brings us closer when I do sit down at these meetings and we do these things together. Yeah. Goes back to the positivity bank, there right? You go. Like, there you yeah. go. And, yeah. and frankly, you know, like, why are you going on the vacation if there's absolutely nothing that excites <laughs> you about it? Uh, right. You know, most people with ADHD have a million things that you get excited about if they really put some thought yeah. into it. And so maybe it starts with having a conversation about that. What mm-hmm. excites us about this idea? The risk is that the time I get excited about a trip is when I'm on the trip. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't think that far in advance. Michelle. I know, it's so stressful. It's so stressful. And once I get there, I care about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question from one of the things that you said earlier. Um, and, it, and it was sort of in a joke, well, not joking, but in passing about, well, they probably should have been here six years earlier, you know, or six to seven years earlier in therapy. Um, I've heard that before where a lot of times I, again, probably from the same person who told me about the, the argument thing, uh, but that a lot of times one partner, once you've gotten, once you're in therapy, one partner most likely has already checked out. And I don't know if that's true. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know what that's all about. But when you said, oh, I think maybe they, they do come too late. There's gotta be something to this. So what, how can you prevent not going too late in not all cases is that one of the partners checked out it's just that these patterns have been going on for for so long for a while um first highly recommend premarital counseling or counseling mm-hmm. as newlyweds uh ounce of prevention and all of that mm-hmm. um also noticing, like, do I do I see some of these four horsemen come up? Do I feel understood by my partner? Do I really understand their inner world? Do I feel connected? Is our friendship strong? Are we really hurting each other when we fight? Uh, these are questions to ask. To say, you know, could we could we use a bit of a checkup? Um, are we how are how do we deal with stress together? A lot of times, I see couples who are smooth sailing when things are going well and there aren't many external stressors, but you add on the loss of a job, COVID, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, any number of things um, and suddenly boom, like things really go boom, right? And so how do we deal with stress together? You know, it's never a bad thing to go and just have a session, a few sessions, see how things are rolling. And if you're like, you know, I think we're pretty good, then you leave feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. And if you leave with some homework and some things to work on, that's great. So there's never a bad time to -hmm. to enter into couples therapy. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's just times where there's more work involved or less. Yeah, right. That's interesting. But it depends too on people's goals. I mean, you know, people navigate relationships in very unique ways and it's not always 
the status quo, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's also about what do we want our relationship to look like? What's most important within this relationship? Mm -hmm. Uh, And people have different answers to that. Like things Mm -hmm. that I think would make me unhappy in a relationship or marriage, you know, aren't my cup of tea would be great for the next person. So, right. That's always but really having that conversation, like you said, I mean, the pre-marriage or, or premarital counseling, having those conversations at the very get-go um, are so important because especially if you're younger, you're just thinking of the wedding and the, oh, you know, all of the great. fun, yeah. but it's not mm-hmm. the marriage, you know, it's not the actual uh, connection there. Yeah. This is so fascinating. Yeah. I love, I yeah. love talking this about is this. Great. It's yeah. really interesting. I know so useful. And I think it's stuff we just, you know, it's, it, we don't talk about it enough with each other in a relationship, right? It's, you get into, you get into the groove and before long, it's a rut. Right. Daniel Wild, another famous couples therapist said, an author said, every marriage is a mistake. You know, <laughs> but, you know, pick your, Ow. pick your, po- pick your poison. He's basically saying there's always going to be something that is difficult. And, and Gottman's mm-hmm. research shores that up. 69% of conflicts in, in an ongoing relationship are ongoing problems. They're repetitive, yeah. they're perpetual problems. They're things that mm-hmm. it's the same fight over and over. Right. So, so you sort of pick your poison when you choose a partner, yeah. you know, and well, no one's going to be I... fully conflict free and the, your be- best friend and your everything in the world without some right. work. Right. Well, you know, we had uh, Seth Nelson's divorce attorney on the show to talk about, you know, ADHD and divorce. And I guess we probably should add you on first. <laughs> uh, I, I, and and but but this is one of the things that came out of it was like, you know, divorces, by the time they get to him, the attorney, they've been on the path for divorce for at least four years. Right. Like that's it. So in hindsight, when you, you're sitting down with your attorney and and you reflect a little bit on how did we get here? You got here over four years of work toward this path, unintentional though it may be. Uh, like you, it's because you didn't take those steps four years ago to ensure you didn't get here. That's a it'd be a, be a great back to back episode. We should have done that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have another clarification that I want to uh, before we before we wrap up. So. You had mentioned that it's hard to find a therapist who does couples and who will understand ADHD or, you know, maybe understand it, but but specialize. specialize. Yeah. In ADHD. So for our listeners out there who know that that's going to be difficult, but they do find uh, a therapist that does marriage counseling or I, or find uh, someone who does the Gottman method. um, Can you just uh, remind us or, or review, like, how do you present that to the, to the therapist? Yeah. I mean, I would start by saying that ADHD is a really important part of our story. And it's an important, really central piece to a lot of our communication and, and conflict problems. And so it's really important that it's present here in this space. We want that to be something that we focus on. And do you, do you feel like that's, you know, something you can offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this person's like uh, ADHD, you know, I, I don't know if that's even a thing. Well, then you know to get on out of there. Right. But a lot of them can help you have these conversations about 
you know, I mean, part of it too is what is your brand of ADHD and how do you explain that to your partner, right? It's not mm-hmm. so cookie cutter. And so they can help you have those conversations and help you come up with solutions that work for both of you. You know, you can always you know, ask if you can spend some time talking with them in an individual session. Oftentimes couple therapists will then offer like an individual to both partners to just get some, some perspective. You can talk more about the impact of ADHD on you and your life and your relationship and, um, you know, have your partner maybe do the same. You can ask if they'd be open. If you, if there's a, a, quick, you know, blog post or something that, or a meme or something that really spoke to you. And it's like, this is, this is what we go through, you know, bring it, share it. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to specialize. Mm-hmm. I think there are more and more therapists who do get it, who are understanding it better than ever before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're, you're not always going to find the unicorn that specializes in the two or three or four things you want. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times yeah. ADHD is part of the picture, but people have complex lives. You know, they have a kid right. with special needs. They have uh, financial problems, and financial I mean, problems be, yeah. and an ill mother-in-law. I mean, it mm-hmm. list goes on and on. And mm-hmm. so it's not so much about them you know, having all a a bookshelf full of books on ADHD as it is the willingness to have those conversations and support you in them. You know, something you said, our story, that really hits me because I think that so many times people are going in with my story, his story, her story. But when you said our story, I mean, it just gave me chills because that's, that's, what you want it to be, you know, you want to be a mm-hmm. partnership going in and getting help so that your partnership just gets better. Right. And yeah, I, I just wanted to say, I noticed that our story. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This is great. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. You're I welcome. hope people get, get something out of this. We appreciate uh, your time and having you back to share yeah. your wisdom and, and, you know, having a better year of it. Yeah. Here's the, here's the, here's to a, better year just, than 2020, low bar. Yeah, that's we've right. done it. We, that's right. That's right. We got some good things going for yeah. us. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do the, we got to do the plug part. It's been so long yeah. since we've heard from you. What are you up to? Our book just came out on Audible, which is awesome. So it's a radical yeah. Did you read it? No, unfortunately not. Um, but someone, oh. someone who, who reads books out loud for a living did. And so I trust them <laughs> with it. Um, and so uh, it's a radical guide for women with ADHD, embrace neurodiversity, live boldly and break through barriers. And that is now on Audible. Uh, so that's exciting. Well, I, I will say this then. If you go to uh, audibletrial.com slash the ADHD podcast and sign up for an account there, you can get that book for free and you can keep it forever uh, as long as you stick around for a month you get the book awesome awesome there you go that's great well thank you so much you're welcome such a pleasure to have you yes absolutely and thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show thank you for your time and your attention don't forget if you have something to contribute to this conversation we'll be heading over to the show talk channel in our discord server you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level on behalf of nikki kinzer i'm pete wright and we'll see you right back here next week on taking control the adhd podcast season 23 crazy thanks everybody